The year was 1912 and the water of the Atlantic Ocean was freezing. And on that night, the biggest and greatest and most beautiful ship that had ever been built was crossing the Atlantic, going from Europe to New York City. And they were trying to break a record. You may have heard of the ship. It's called the Titanic. And what you and I probably all know about this ship is that it never made it to New York City. It went down in the icy waters of the Atlantic. Over a thousand people died, and it's known as one of the greatest tragedies in American and really world history. Uh, but what many of us fail to realize is what brought the Titanic down was an iceberg. Titanic hit an iceberg, and it took it down. And uh, reports are that the next day, as people went out to check on what happened and where it happened, they found the iceberg uh, that Titanic had hit. And while it was an impressive-looking chunk of ice sticking up out of the water, it was what was underneath the waterline that made this iceberg so very dangerous. It was a massive piece of ice floating beneath the surface. All that was seen up top, in fact, the only thing the Titanic hit uh, was... Uh, this piece of the iceberg that was above the waterline. What was below the waterline was what made it so immovable. It was huge. It was massive. And they couldn't even see that. And that night, a tragedy happened uh, because they assumed that the big, mighty Titanic could take a shot from an iceberg that they didn't realize was 10 times the size of what they could see above the waterline. Now, we are in the middle of the Rhythm series, and what we're trying to do is find out how to have a biblical, a God-honoring, and us-flourishing rhythm for our lives. And we're created for that. And we learned last week that if we don't allow God to be the one holding the metronome of our lives, the one setting uh, the pace, setting the tempo for the rhythm of our lives, we will be unhealthy and we will not flourish. Well, today what we're going to see is that true rhythm, true beautiful music, true beautiful dance comes from private practice and preparation. Today we're going to look at the idea of what happens in your private life. See, last week we saw that we have both a physical heart, one that's beating, or a physical life, the, the tactile nature of our lives that we can all see and touch and feel, but we all have a spiritual, invisible life, the inner life, the spiritual life, the spiritual heart. And we learned that that is actually most important because your spiritual life is what's actually driving everything else in your life. Well, today what we're going to see is that your private life, that part of your life that no one else sees, is the one that's driving your public life. And we are going to look at the life of Jesus today, and we're going to see that Jesus himself had a private life and a public life, and we're going to see how he had a rhythm for his life that his Father set for him, that the Spirit led him to, uh, that created an atmosphere where Jesus could have perfect integrity between his private life and his public life. Famous and one of the most successful of all time college basketball coaches, John Wooden, said this. He said, the true measure of a person is what they do when no one else is watching. I think that's really true for all of us today. The question is, are we who we say we are when no one else is around? And, and the truth is, when it comes to living a life of biblical rhythm and biblical tempo, it requires us having the private practice and preparation that gets us ready for the life we were created to live. And the question is today, are you willing to have a private life that lines up with a public life that honors God? Because listen, if we fail to prepare in our private life, we will eventually fail in our public life. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh.
college student at the University of Mobile, I was involved in the music department. I've always been a speaker, but I was also a singer and a vocalist, and that helped me get through college. And what we learned as a group, I sang in a vocal group, is that it took tons of rehearsal and tons of practice to be able to go out on the weekends and tour in churches and in high schools and other places where we sang and performed. The practice schedule was rigorous. Twice a week, we would practice four or five hours at a time. But what that did is it got us ready for the public onstage part of what we were doing. And what we always wanted to do as a vocal group is we wanted to have an alignment between what we wanted to happen on stage and how hard we worked in private. Now, what we call that when there's an alignment between private and public. When those two line up, we call that integrity. And the problem is for many of us, we are out of rhythm in our lives because there is a lack of alignment between what we are trying to uh, show the world, what we are trying to display for the world, for those around us, and what's really going on in our private lives that no one else can see. And when that breaks down, it's called a break in integrity. The word integrity is really an engineering term. It comes from the idea of a bridge. If a bridge can hold the weight that it was designed to hold, if you can cross a bridge with the weight that it says it can hold, then that means that bridge has integrity. But when there becomes cracks in the foundation of a bridge, when there becomes cracks in the material that was used to build it, it no longer has integrity because it cannot hold the load that it was meant to hold. Now, I think that's true of many of our lives. Many of our lives, we have a bridge that we build. It's called our public life that people see. But what they don't see is all the cracks underneath the surface. And listen, if you keep riding cars and boats and all that good stuff across the bridge of your life, the weight of your world, if you continue to place that weight on a bridge, on a life that you've built that can't hold the weight of it, sooner or later that bridge is going to break. And that's happening in lives all around us, not just outside of the church, but inside the church. We see the divorce rate among Christians to be almost as high as that of the world around us. We see bad things happening in families in church and even in churches in general. It's, it's, it's a situation where there's a lack and a break in integrity. And the question that we need to ask today is, is there integrity between our private and our public lives? And the only way you can have a public life that flourishes, that truly brings God honor and glory, that truly is successful, because true success as a Christian is to honor God with all of our lives. The only way to do that is to have a robust private life. The Bible says that Jesus, even as he was growing, before we even heard of him at 30 years old, all those 30 years, what was he doing? He was pre preparing in private. Before the world would see his public ministry, Jesus was getting ready. The Bible says Jesus grew in stature and in wisdom and in favor with God and man. Jesus was getting ready all those years for his public ministry. Now, my good friend Phil Jay is one of the best musicians and artists that I know. You see him play on stage at Three Circle. You've probably heard his songs. He is really incredible, and he's going to help us understand right now why what happens on stage is really a product of what happened through hours and maybe even years of hard work in private. Check this out. I started doing music, well, really, like, I started playing drums at like, the age of three, you know, so... Just being able to like, and I'm grateful for my parents for like getting me that drum set and like that kind of just set the tone for just the rest of my life. It's like having, because playing those drums at such a young age, I, I was, because I was, I was always falling in love with 
like anything that had to do with a drum. I would get the pots and pans in my mom's kitchen and just start playing on them. So like that, like at that age, like it is, it's, it blossomed into what it is now where I, I play drums full time. Um, and it played a huge part in me becoming an artist. Um, it wasn't until 2013 where like I really started taking it serious. It's like, okay, then this is, um, this is something I know God's calling me to do. Uh, but I, I need to put like 100% into like making it what it needs to be. And so uh, it's going on eight years now I've been doing this. It's like, man, had, my, had, had some ups and downs, had, had, had some things fall through, had some things, some great things happen, had an opportunity to perform at a festival last year that I've always, I've been, I've been like watching from afar for years, had an opportunity to headline on, the, on that, that show. Um, but there's been times where I've traveled places where like it's you know, it's, it's like some great's gonna happen and like something it just it just falls through, um, and then uh, and then but it's just but like last year where there was a lot of a lot of great moments that happened where like man I'm glad I didn't quit because and I almost quit doing music in 2016 so it's like man this going through a real deal depression stage um, it's like man I don't. I don't know if this is what God called me to do. Just, it just letting everything in life kind of distract me from the calling God has placed on my life. And by God's grace, I'm still doing it. Uh, and now great things have happened because I've stayed, I stayed consistent, uh, persevered, and made it something, and, 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 and just trusted God to like make it what it is now. A lot of people, they really don't see um, the work that goes into making something great like you look at all these like accomplished artists where like they've put in years and years of work trying to master their craft trying to cultivate it if i if, if i happen just one day to get like discovered and like get instant gratification that wouldn't really satisfy me you know uh but like if i put in years and years of work to build something it's much more reward to that because like you've put in the hard, the hard, that, that, you, you put in the, the 10,000 hours to reap the fruits of your labor, you know? Uh, so that's, it, it's, it's, it's a joy to be able to pour so much into what you're passionate about. And it's such a reward to like get, like to, to get the fruits of your labor. What I, what I would tell someone, you know, who, who's on like the, the edge of like quitting. It's like, man, this just isn't worth it. Um, I've been in that position and it's nothing, it, it's, it's not a great feeling, you know, knowing you quit something you are passionate about. Like I didn't, like in 2016, when I was going through that depression stage, like for a month, I just quit doing music, didn't want to do it. Like knowing this is what God's called me to do, it's like man, I there's 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 a reason this 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 fire is still burning inside me. There, 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 there's a reason for it, you know. And it may and it's not always going to be in your timing where you want to see the fruits of your labor, like or like, like tangible, you know. Uh, it, but, but just having that consistency, like just like like being adamant about being consistent and consistent with what you love to do, with what you know God's called you to do. Man, it's such a reward in that. Such reward, such reward.
Our friend Phil J has an amazing story. We all get to see the finished product. We get to see him on stage rapping and songwriting and playing drums, and he is amazing. But what we did not see is all the years and years and years and hours of hard work and making mistakes and getting better. We all see the finished product, but what we didn't see is all the practice, and that's true of our lives. And the truth is, if you and I fail to prepare and to practice uh, what God has created us to do in our private lives, eventually our public life is going to suffer. Eventually there's going to be massive failure in our public lives. We see it happen all the time. Well, we referenced earlier that Jesus as a young man grew in his stature and he grew in his wisdom and he grew in favor with God and man. But what we also want to look at today is maybe one of the most famous moments in Jesus' private life because Jesus, just like us, had a private life and a public life. And what we see is that Jesus spent 30 years getting ready for a three-year ministry. 30 years. It's kind of like an Olympian who spends years and years and years getting ready. A runner in the Olympics spent uh, his, his or her whole life getting ready to run a quick race where they may win a medal. Where Jesus uh, did the same thing. Three years of the most powerful ministry that this earth has ever seen. It took 30 years to prepare for it. And before Jesus went totally public with his ministry, the Bible gives us a timeline. He was baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. And immediately after he was baptized, another step in his preparation took place. It was a private step. It was a step that no one else saw, but thankfully the scriptures record it for us. If you will, open your Bibles uh, or open your devices to the book of Luke. We're going to go to chapter 4 in the book of Luke. And we're going to look at an area that's known as the temptation of Jesus. Now let's take a look at what happens. We're going to read this and we're going to unpack it. It says this in verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, this is after he was baptized, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil and he ate nothing during those days. Now, you need to understand that Jesus did not do this on his own. Remember, we said last week, Jesus always allowed his Father and the Spirit to set the metronome in his life. He was modeling that for us. His pace, his direction was set by his Father. He would say things like that once he told people, I do nothing apart from my Father. In another place, Jesus said, I came to do the will of the Father. And he taught us that we should do the same thing. We should seek first the kingdom of God in our lives. And here we see Jesus being led by the Spirit. And the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness. In other words, getting him away from everybody. This isn't going to be a public display. This is going to be a private display of Jesus' faithfulness. They go into the wilderness for 40 days, and he's tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said to him, To you I'll give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. 
And then the Bible says that Jesus began his public ministry. Now let's talk about how Jesus handled this private moment because what we find out here is that one of Jesus' greatest victories happened when no one else was watching. One of Jesus' greatest victories took place in private. And the first thing I want you to understand is that's going to be true of your life and mine as well. As believers, our biggest battles are going to be in private and our biggest victories are going to be in private. And if you want to have public downfall, then, then, then just continue to allow your private life to suffer and to starve. The Bible tells us that the two have to have integrity. They have to line up. And what we see here is that Jesus' unbelievable, earth-shattering, life-changing three-year ministry that is about to begin was actually built on the foundation of a private life that was full of integrity, that was full of amazing, important things. And a few things we learn about Jesus in his private life from this moment. The first thing is this. Jesus was privately obedient. He was obedient, not just publicly so everyone could see it, not just publicly so that he would have a good reputation or that so people would listen to him since he's about to be a very powerful rabbi. No, no, Jesus was faithful when no one else was watching in that desert for those 40 days. Jesus was obedient. What does the Bible tell us there? It says Jesus was led by the Spirit into that wilderness. Jesus wasn't setting his own metronome or his own pace. And we're going to find that throughout his three-year ministry, throughout his earthly life. Jesus obeyed his Father and was led by the Spirit. And the question is today, are you, in your private life, obedient to God? You see, Jesus, if we're a Christian, has now become our Lord and our King, not just our Savior. you got to have the whole package. And that means you have a boss. I like to tell my kids a lot at home that I have a boss. I don't get to do whatever I want to do. And my boss is Jesus. He's my king. He's not just my savior, my lord, my friend. He's also my king. He is in charge of my life. I find out what he wants me to do primarily through the scriptures. And when I became a Christian, I ceased to just be able to do whatever I wanted to do. And that's true of you as well. So I would ask you privately, are you obedient? Can it be said of you today that in private, when no one else is watching, when church people aren't watching, when it's not out on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, it's just you all alone in front of the computer screen, in front of the TV, on the cell phone, talking privately with someone, when it's just you, are you still obedient? Are you led by the Spirit? The next thing I want you to see is that Jesus was tempted privately. Jesus faced temptation. Satan himself, that's pretty huge. I don't know how you guys are, but uh, you know I, I know that I face temptation. I face tough times. But the Bible lets us know that Satan himself came to tempt Jesus, and he did it when he was at his weakest. Understand that Satan will always attack you when you're most vulnerable. Jesus was hungry, he was thirsty, and he was tired. And Satan attacked him. And what we understand here is that Jesus, like you and I, in his private life, was tempted as well. In fact, the Bible tells us in the New Testament that our high priest can sympathize with us. We don't have a high priest, Jesus, who doesn't understand what we've been through. That's the beauty of Jesus. He knows exactly what we, what we go through because he literally walked in our shoes. He literally put on human flesh. And the Bible lets us know that he sympathizes with us because he's been tempted in every way that we have. Every single way, it's mind-boggling, right? But the Bible says he did not sin. Thank goodness, because that means he could be our substitutionary sacrifice and atonement for our own sins. But what the beauty of that is that Jesus, too, was tempted in his private life, and yet we see that he prevailed. 
Uh, the next thing I want you to see is that Jesus was biblical in his private life. He didn't just teach the Bible. Boy, he was the best Bible teacher of all time. Uh, he didn't just teach the Bible publicly. He lived the Bible privately. So here in the desert, when he is tempted, he does not lean on his own words. He doesn't uh, come up with uh, his own little things to say to the devil. When Satan himself tempted Jesus, Jesus went right to the Scriptures. And you see, every time Jesus answers one of Satan's temptations, he does it with, it is written. It was all about the Scriptures. Let me ask you something. Do you live your life based on Scripture privately? Are you in the Word of God privately so that you can know it? Jesus knew the Word of God. You need to see from this story that we're reading that your enemy knows the Bible as well, so you better know it. You need to know the Scriptures. Are you spending time in the Word of God? Is the Bible the blueprint for your life, not just publicly, not just so everyone can see it, but in private? Is the Bible your source for information? Is it your source for truth? Are you biblical privately? Jesus was biblical in private. And then we see this. Jesus was faithful privately. Not, not just publicly. Jesus was very victorious publicly, right? He's going to overcome death, and he's going to heal people, and he's going to be the greatest preacher ever. He's going to debate and win every one of them. He's going to blow the world wide open. But in private, when no one else was looking, Jesus was victorious then. He was faithful privately. Notice that Satan had to leave him alone. Satan brought everything he had in the desert in that moment, and Jesus was victorious. He was faithful privately. Again, Jesus won one of his greatest victories when no one else was looking, and, and here's the deal. I think all of us want to be in the arena. We want, to, we want to live a great public life, but a great public life begins with a great private life. And I'm telling you, listen to me, all of you who are listening today from wherever you are, the most important battles you're going to fight are going to be private ones. It's going to be in your mind. It's going to be when no one else is looking. It's going to be when you wake up every day. Are you really going to get in the Word of God? Are you really going to spend time with the Lord? Or are you going to let those things slip? And, and when you do that, your public life is just a matter of time before it begins to suffer. What you do in private is going to impact the public sooner or later. Jesus had complete alignment and integrity between his private and his public life. And we must do the same. So let me ask you the question today. How are you doing with your private life? Because if your rhythm is out of sorts, if the tempo of your life is up and down at the wrong times, if your rhythm's not right, then it's, it's going to be fixed, not publicly, but privately first. If Phil J needs to work on his drums, he's not going to do that in front of the whole church. He's going to do it privately. The Olympian's going to practice privately. You see me when I come out and speak publicly but you don't see the weeks and months and hours and hours of preparation. So my question to you today, as we live in a culture that hyper-focuses on the public, how do we look? How do we sound? Image. What's your image like? What's the platform you're building? What does everyone think about me? As you focus on all those things, are you maybe ignoring the most important part of your life? What is going on inside of you when no one else is looking? What are you doing to discipline yourself, to practice what the Bible calls holiness, to walk with God? Is there integrity between your private and your public life?
So the iceberg of the life of Jesus uh, was full of integrity, both above the waterline and below the waterline. And the truth is, in your life and mine, the most important part of our life is not what the world sees, not the little tip of the iceberg that everyone can see above the water. It's what's underneath the waterline. It's what no one else can see that's going to impact your life the most. Yet it is the thing most of us probably focus on the least. We need to flip that today. As we seek to get into the rhythm of God, we need to see how Jesus lived his life. He lived his life in a rhythm that kept him with perfect integrity between the private and the public. The private pre preparation and practice, the public display. That was the rhythm, the dance that he danced, and you and I need to learn how to do it as well. In the book of 2 Chronicles in the Old Testament, the Bible says this, God's eyes move to and fro throughout the earth so that he can find someone whose heart is completely his so he can strongly support them. It's a beautiful verse. What this means is God is looking for people who will have integrity between their public and their private lives. He wants to help us. He wants to strengthen us. If you will privately spend time with God, privately commit yourself, He will be with you. He will strengthen you. He will prepare you in the same way that Jesus did. Jesus prepared privately for an incredible public ministry. So what I want to ask you to do for the next few moments as we sing and as we worship for just a minute, I want to invite you to spend a moment praying and being uh, contemplative in your own life and introspective and ask yourself, does your private life align with what you are displaying for the world to see? Does your private reality align with your public image? If those two things do not align, then you need to go to God about that because God's rhythm he's created for your life is not one of being disjointed. Have you ever heard a song where the tempo got off, the drummer got off, the bass player got off, and you just knew this does not sound good, something's off? If you watch American Idol, uh, at the beginning they put the people that aren't very good on there, and when they get off that note, you just know something's not right. I bet many of us sitting here right now, as you hear this teaching, you know something's off. You know there's something off in your life. If your Instagram pictures are telling a story that you know is not true, then you have a lack of integrity in your life. If the world thinks one thing about you that you internally know if they really knew the truth, they wouldn't think that way. Then maybe there is a break in the integrity of the bridge of your life. And here's the deal. If you don't fix that, if you don't allow God to fix this in your life and you leave those cracks in the foundation of the bridge of your life, sooner or later, people are gonna get hurt. Sooner or later, there's gonna be people that are putting the weight of their life on you and you're going to fall. Doesn't have to happen though. So for the next few moments, I want you to spend some time with Jesus. As we worship, I want you to ask yourself, how you doing between your private and your public life? I come to the garden alone While the dew is still
So God has created us for a rhythm, a tempo, and the rhythm of our life includes a private life and a public life that are working in tandem. Uh, They are step by step dancing the dance with the rhythm in tempo. And when those two things get off, when your public life and your private life do not align, the dance gets really, really messed up. The music doesn't sound good anymore, and today we want to fix that. Well, what we've seen so far is that Jesus and his private life prepared for his future ministry as a young man. And then with his uh, meeting with Satan in the desert, as Satan attacked him, Jesus was obedient. He was victorious. He was biblical. We see that in his life. That prepared him for his ministry. But did you know that Jesus continued to flourish in his private life in order to sustain his public life? So what I want you to understand today is that, yes, private alignment will prepare you, but private alignment, continuing that, will also sustain you. So what did Jesus do once his ministry began? What did he do when he became the most popular preacher in in all of Judea? What did he do when the crowds got bigger and bigger and bigger uh, as the demonstration of his power and his lordship became more and more evident? What did Jesus do? 
he continued to do what many of us don't. Many of us, as more success comes, as the busyness comes, we begin to let our private life slip. Jesus did not do that. In fact, if you'll turn with me uh, to the book of Mark, this is uh, an, an incredible place, verse 35, chapter 1. Mark 1, verse 35, listen to what it says. It says, and, and by the way, Jesus is now in his ministry, and it says, and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. So a lot of detail there. He rose early before anything else got going. While it was still dark, he departed and he went out to a desolate place and there he prayed in private. No one else is looking. Everyone else is asleep. It's early. It's dark. Now at this point, Jesus has already proven he can be victorious eyeball to eyeball with Satan himself. Jesus has already been completely confirmed as the Son of God by his Father and by the Spirit at his baptism. Jesus is already demonstrating his teaching ability, his prophetic, his power, yet he still prays. And see, what happens often in our lives is as we publicly become more successful, we often will privately become less consistent. So here's what I want you to know today. As you become publicly successful, you must remain privately consistent. If not, you cannot sustain your public life. That'll happen to you. That will happen to me. Jesus models for us how to remain privately consistent. And look what happens. What you need to understand is everyone won't understand this. In a world, and it was the same for Jesus, where everyone is so externally driven, you need to understand that even people who love you, that you care about around you, might not get and understand your consistently and your rigorous commitment to your private life. Look what happened. Jesus is praying in verse 36, And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. So they're looking for Jesus. And they found him praying, and they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. In other words... Jesus was popular, Jesus had a big crowd, and the people, his public life, was calling for him. And they feel like he needs to stop nurturing his private life and get back to the public. And that's the world you live in as well. Be successful. Buy more stuff. Make sure everyone thinks you're great. Post another perfect Instagram picture. Make sure everybody thinks you're awesome and cool. Make sure your kids are popular and cool and involved. It seems to never end. It will knock you out of rhythm. But Jesus found a desolate place and he prayed. It was the most important thing because he understood your private life is going to drive your public life. Peter didn't understand that. Simon Peter didn't get that yet. The disciples didn't understand that yet. And then Jesus blows their mind, verse 38, and he said to them, let us go on to the next town that I may preach there also for that is why I came out. Now what do we see happening here? First of all, Jesus is in deep prayer privately so that his public life will be aligned. Simon Peter wants him to get back to being public. And the very crowd that's, that's wanting Jesus to come out to them, Jesus decides because he's been privately praying, he decides that it's time to move on. In other words, Jesus knows when to leave, when to go, when to stay because he's spending time with his Father. Jesus is going to make an unpopular decision in the moment that's actually the right decision. Because if you allow everyone else to set your pace, they will. Peter knew exactly what he wanted Jesus to do, but it wasn't what the Father wanted him to do. So Jesus looks at Peter and says, it's time to move on. I'm not even going to talk to this crowd anymore. I'm done with them. It's time to move on. Why? Jesus was able to make wise and even unpopular decisions publicly because he was so consistent privately.
Now, what does all of this teach us today? It teaches us that you and I were created for a rhythm. You're going to have a public life. The Bible says that we are to shine our lights, that we're not to put them under a bushel and hide them. We're to let the world see our light. We are to have a public life. We're not to run off with this flame of the gospel and hide in caves. We are public. But our public life must be buoyed. It must be sustained by a rigorous, a vibrant, a consistent private life with God. And that will include prayer and scripture. And it will include private victories like Jesus had that will become public sustainability. Jesus' greatest victory could be argued happened in a desert when no one else was looking. And that victory over Satan there prepared him for the future. My question to you is, how is your private life today? And today, today we need to align our private life with the public display that God has called us to have. And the only way to do that is to have a private life that is drenched in the truth of the Word of God, prayer, worship, time with Jesus. It's the only way to do it. There's no other way. And Jesus modeled it for us. As His ministry got bigger, as His public life became more successful, He remained privately consistent. And you and I must do the same in order to stay in the rhythm God created for us.